Our leader for tonight is Maury. All right. Yeah, good evening. My name is Maury, and I'm a compulsive overeater and uh, a grateful recovering member of Overeaters Anonymous, and it's, it's really great to be here. Uh, welcome to the newcomers, especially. And uh, By the way, I, I have a hearing problem. Sometimes my voice can trail off. If it does, give me a signal, and I'll try to, try to speak up. <laughs> But uh, I'm going to tell, uh, I, I haven't really rehearsed what I'm going to say tonight. Sometimes I rehearse a lot, but I this is just going to be uh, up to say what I say, and I trust that you'll hear some things that will be of value to you tonight. And uh, one of the things I've learned in a way that there's no perfect share, uh, just as there's no perfect program, uh, but that you get to uh, take what you want, and if you stick around long enough, uh, miracles do happen in here. Uh, I'll qualify. Um, <clears throat> I just turned 80 uh, this last month, and I came into OA 40 years ago. Uh, 40 years ago when I was 40 years old. Uh, I used to say life begins at 40, and I guess that was true for me. Uh, and I have been in OA, I've been around OA, and for at least the last 22 uh, years, I have truly been in OA and worked this program like my life depend on my life does depend on it. Uh, I would have died. Uh, I think maybe a picture is worth uh, or a thousand words. Or actually, I'm, I didn't bring pictures tonight, but I'll show you the pants that I knit when I came uh, when I came back to OA. These, this was not my top weight. My top weight was probably about 20 pounds more than this. But you notice the button was missing, you know, because they were expanding. Uh, and uh, I was outgrowing these, and I usually just had one pair of pants, because I was always going to lose weight, you know, and then I was going to be more. So I, you know, so I... Anyhow, this, uh, this is a picture of what my body was like. Uh, I hope I've lost as much fat between my ears as I've lost uh, on my body, uh, but that's still to be determined. I've still got more to lose there, that's for sure. Uh, as we say, thin is not well. Uh, certainly is true in my case, uh, but for me, thin is certainly better than fat uh, because I was eating myself to death. A uh, little about my background, how I came in and what happened, what I was like. Uh, we're all shaped by how we grow up. Uh, I grew up in a very loving family, actually. Uh, a farm in the Midwest, one of five children, although my brother and I were two older ones, and then there was 12 years between the next uh, three, so it was kind of like two separate families. But it was still only one family, mom and dad, same mom and dad. And it was a very close family, and everything settled. We were living on a farm. Next to my granddad's farm, next to the, that was next to the other granddad's farm. My mom and dad had grown up on joint farm, so we were tight. And our social life was really uh, the church. Uh, and uh, it was a rural southern Indiana uh, Bible belt buckle type Christianity. And uh, it was nurturing in some ways because God was presented as loving. The people that presented it were loving. But he was also one of those guys that had a club behind his back. If you act up, you were in trouble. <laughs> of course, nobody said out in those days. Uh, not in where I grew up, is uh, we were just perfect, uh, and <laughs> we were supposed to be perfect. Uh, and I was a, a good little boy, uh, 
Uh, and uh, at least on the outside, and I was a good little boy. I didn't cause any behavior problems with, with my parents or with school or anything else. Uh, but uh, um, the, uh, the, the, well, we say we, uh, uh, it's not, uh, not what we eat, it's what's eating us, and that our problem lies in our mind. Uh, that, uh, uh, and that was true for me. The things, uh, the things that made me a compulsive overeater, I think was born with some of it. More was never enough. Uh, and uh, I remember, <laughs> my mom, actually I don't remember, when I was, my mom said I was about two years old and she was in the kitchen making a cake and icing a cake. Uh, my mom didn't make a lot of sweets and I can't blame her for my uh, disease except the genes perhaps. Uh, but uh, she said she was doing something and she watched me and I was reaching for the cake to, to lick the icing and I was going, no, no, no. <laughs> then I took it. <laughs> That was the story of my life. I fought and fought and fought. Later on, especially as the disease progressed, later on, it was a no, 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 yes. And once I started, as the big book says, the craving gets triggered and I cannot stop until something stops me. Uh, but that wasn't true in the early years. Uh, I didn't have any real problem for years, except, let's say, those personality disorders, which became very prominent. Uh, I didn't like to deal with feelings. I had a family that was very loving, but they didn't like negative feelings. Good little boys weren't angry. Good little boys weren't upset, etc. cetera. Uh, I can remember my dad uh, and mom writing home from church. My dad was much more of a free thinker than my mom would say, be grousing about something they'd said in church that he didn't particularly agree with. And mom would say, you shouldn't feel like that. You shouldn't think like that. And now, my dad didn't care. He was going to think like that. And he was gonna, but I was this sensitive little boy. She'd just as well been speaking to me because you shouldn't think like that. You shouldn't feel like that. So if I had a bad thought, you shouldn't have bad thoughts. If you feel bad, you shouldn't feel bad. Uh, and I learned my favorite radio program when I was growing up, uh, I grew up before TV, uh, was uh, Let's Pretend. Any of you remember that program? Anybody else in here remember Let's Pretend? It was on Saturday morning, and uh, it was basically fairy tales, but I love that life of fantasy. I love pretending. Uh, it took me many years in the program uh, to learn, because uh, I'm a pretender, I like to pretend I'm something I'm not, uh, that pretending is trying to fool other people. Acting as if is trying to change the way you, uh, the way you think. As we say, you can, uh, you can act your way into right thinking, you can't think your way into right acting. And I'm a thinker, boy, I'm a thinker. And it didn't work. Uh, but I really, uh, I, I, uh, and I, I can still pretend, and of course there's some social appropriateness to pretending. We can't wear our feelings on our sleeve everywhere we go or we cause a lot of problems. But when it comes time to get real, we'd better drop the pretense and say what is really going on with us. And to have at least in the program what works beautifully, step five, to God, myself, and one other human being, the exact nature of Morongs. You don't have to tell everybody, but I better be willing to tell at least one other person the exact nature of my wrongs if I want to get well in this program. Uh, and no pretense about it. That's real. Anyhow, a little more about growing up. 
Uh, we grew up rather isolated in this rural environment. Uh, I had no close friends growing up except my family. Absolutely none. Uh, I didn't have a single close friend to, until I left for college. And even then they were, off, they were rather superficial because uh, I had a lot of secrets and I felt if you knew my secrets you wouldn't like me. Uh, and as I I didn't have a problem with weight. I didn't particularly have a problem with food, although I love desserts and I love sweets, but it didn't, didn't really affect me until, oh, I don't know, my preteen years. I got rather chubby, quote unquote. Yeah, I was chubby. I wasn't really, really fat. But uh, I tried, my mom said, well, maybe uh, would you, if you'd like to work on it. She wasn't demanding. She said, if you'd like to work on it, I can help you eat a little healthier to lose some weight. And I was fine, and I guess I did it somewhat, except I do remember uh, uh, sneaking into the freezer and grabbing the ice cream when she wasn't looking. So uh, as long as they don't see you do it, it doesn't count, you know? <laughs> we all, most of us have done that game. Uh, but uh, I lost the weight as I grew taller. I didn't, uh, and by the time I left for college, uh, uh, I, was, I was normal weight. Uh, and if, if food didn't seem an issue, I loved to eat, uh, but, it, but it didn't seem to bother me. But I had a lot of other issues that I didn't want to deal with. I, I say I didn't have any close friends. Uh, I knew a lot about pretending. I was very bright, uh, so schoolwork was very easy for me, so it was very easy to substitute uh, being smarter than everybody else to being like everybody else. Uh, and it served me well academically. It certainly didn't serve me well in my relationships. I simply did not know how to do relationships. I said when they passed out the uh, book on how to do relationships, they left out that chapter for me. I just didn't know how to do relationships. All I knew was to pretend like I was a good buddy and whatnot, but down underneath, I was scared if you really got to know me, you wouldn't like me. Um, but I went to college and went in a new environment and was, uh, didn't have my close family around and whatnot. Um, I, weight began to go up and down, up and down. But this is a progressive disease over any time, as you know, it gradually gets worse. And I could always go on a diet and lose the weight. And I would go on a diet and would, uh, the diets never included sugar, never included bread, never included pasta, never included carbohydrates. The weight would come off. Uh, but then I would go back to eating. Uh, and uh, that was the story of my diets up until I came in Overeaters Anonymous. I'm going to lose weight so I can go back to normal eating. <laughs> I hadn't eaten normally at least since my teen years, and certainly not as the disease progressed. By, by the time I came into 0840, I hadn't <coughs> eaten normally for years. Uh, anyhow, I'm going to give you some of my uh, diet stories, but uh, just for a brief thing. First, uh, after um, college, I went to medical school. It was bright, and that was easy, actually. Uh, but I gained about 40 pounds, uh, and in my senior year, a guy uh, dared me to go on a diet, and in six weeks, I lost 40 pounds by going on one small meal a day. And I thought that was wonderful. Anybody could do it. All it took was willpower. I had lots of willpower. Uh, but uh, I went back to normal eating after that. <laughs> uh, and the weight went back on. Um, 
really start, this disease really started progressing by the time I, uh, in my 30s, uh, I'd gotten married. And by the way, that's another thing. I had a lot of uh, sexual problems. I'm basically, uh, my basic orientation is homosexual. And I was absolutely terrified that somebody was going to find that out. It certainly wasn't approved of in our church. You can imagine what rural Protestant Christianity thinks of that. Uh, and uh, I was afraid to tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone until I got married, and that was going to cure me. And after a year, I had to tell my wife because it wasn't working out very well. Uh, by the grace of God, we we're still married some 50 years later. It wasn't the end of my, uh, uh, my orientation or acting out or any of the other of it, but I have a wife who put up with a lot of shit for a lot of years, to put it that way. Uh, but that was one of the secrets that was really driving me, uh, and it continued to drive me, because if you knew, and I, I didn't tell anybody else about it for a long time, if you knew that about me, you would definitely disapprove. Um, in the, uh, in the, this was in the 1970s and I was in my 30s. Uh, I was looking for some answers. I was doing some support groups. Uh, and in these support groups, you set out things you wanted to have happen in tension for various groups and whatnot you were doing. It was always to lose weight. It was always to lose weight. Uh, during that time, I went on increasingly bizarre diets, one time going on a, uh, uh, one week with nothing but water. I do have a lot of willpower. Uh, it takes a hell of a lot of willpower to do it. Not very good medically and physiologically or anything else, but you see, I was going to lose the weight and then I wouldn't put it back on again. Well, the next week, uh, in two days, the weight was all back on, of course. I lost about 20 pounds in a week, and that's great stuff, but... Uh, uh, terrible for the body. Uh, again, get on, I should start getting what got me into recovery. Um, someone suggested, I was casting about for a job, I wasn't very happy with what I was doing, and they suggested that they needed uh, a, an assistant medical director at an alcoholism treatment program. And I went to interview for that in 1979. And these guys welcomed me with open arms. Uh, and uh, I started, uh, I, oh, and oh, I should mention though, during that course that I was taking that introduced me to that, uh, I was on this diet and I lost 100 pounds. So I came in when I started working there, my weight was normal. Uh, about two months after that, I got some friends with people and one of the counselors there said, she was going back to OA because she was having some trouble with foods and she knew about my wonderful success with dieting. She thought maybe I'd like to go along just to hear what it was about. And I was really eating up the 12-step programs. I could memorize the big book because I'm very bright, you know. Uh, uh, and the counselor they said, uh, read the book like a textbook from the beginning to the first 164 pages. Precisely how we have it recovered is the main purpose of this book. Then it says in We Agnostics to, uh, uh, to find a power greater than yourself that can destroy you. The sanity is the main object of this book. The main purpose, the main object. I can memorize those things. It takes a long time to sink from here down to here, though, for this guy. Anyhow, sure, I'll go to OA because uh, I know how to do all this stuff, but maybe you guys need some help. Uh, and <laughs> so I go to OA and... Uh, I'm listening, and I'm superior to everybody. 
Uh, and, uh, but I was hearing some things. Uh, and was hearing, I was actually hearing the program more than what I had read and what I had memorized. I was actually hearing people trying to work the program. How much? Ten time? more minutes. Ten minutes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the first, oh, when I'm being a good little boy, you're supposed to get a sponsor. Well, I got a sponsor. Uh, I'll call you. Didn't call. Next week, I'll call you. Didn't call. You know, so we had a wonderful relationship. She didn't call me, I didn't call her, so <laughs> nothing much happened. Uh, in fact, it didn't happen, except that I very rapidly lost my ability to diet. All I was, I started just, I, I would eat and be stuffed, and then I would starve for two days. Then I would eat, and then I would starve. Then I would, and because I thought abstinence was starving, I didn't know what else it was. Abstinence was abstaining, right? Uh, it wasn't uh, had no concept of what was going on, and this went on for several months. But I kept going back uh, because, uh, first of all, my friend encouraged me, and I kind of related, uh, kind of. Uh, you guys were nice enough to me, and they listened, you listened to my BS. Uh, but about uh, six months into this thing, uh, one night I finished work, and I needed to go get my fix. I needed to get binge. It was chocolate at that point. Uh, and I absolutely knew, because of my experience over the last few months, was if I started... I had learned about the big book. If you trigger the craving, you can't stop. And I knew from experience now that once I had the first bite, I was going to eat the rest of that night and I was going to feel absolutely awful the next morning, the next day. And so, well, what's the logical thing for a smart guy? Well, then don't do it if you don't want to feel that bad. And that's when I got, I was powerless because... I was going to feel just as miserable if I didn't eat. I couldn't, I didn't know what. And I, I, I actually burst into tears. I was with myself, I burst into tears and I said, God help me, it's, gonna, it's not going to work if I eat, it's not going to work if I don't eat. I don't know what happened, but I didn't eat that night. And the next day, I was willing to get a sponsor and call a sponsor. I was willing to follow a food plan. See, I thought abstinence was starving yourself. There, is a, there are food plans in OA that people will help you find if you want one. Uh, and I have found that's a very key component. Still, it's 40 years later. A key component is to have a plan of eating because my head tells me strange things about food. still tells me strange things about food. Uh, I need a plan which tells me uh, what, how much. Uh, matter of fact, I heard that, I digress a second. I chaired uh, that this meeting uh, sometime around 20 years ago. And Nancy says she remembers that. A couple of people may remember that. And I remember hearing at that meeting one thing this person said, before I take the first bite, I need to know what, how much, and most importantly, what the last bite is going to be. That will serve me through anything if I'll do that. Before I take the first bite, if I know what, how much, and most importantly, when the last bite is going to be. Uh, I, I remember that so clearly, hearing that at the meeting. Um, anyhow, 
get on with my story a little bit. Uh, I was Mr. Away for a while after this magical thing had happened, and so again, uh, but I hadn't lost hardly any of this stand up here. Uh, some three years later, the job changed. I was no longer working there. I quit going to meetings because I had it all figured out and whatnot. And all it took was that first bite of a dessert. Uh, that was probably about three years after of abstinence. Yeah. And I was in Indianapolis at the time. I was going down to visit my folks 100 miles to the south. And on the way down, I stopped at five grocery stores and I binged and I binged and I binged. And that was my relapse. And I never had a really good, strong abstinence until 1997. I was very fortunate, though. I continued to go to OA, at least intermittently, and I picked up a couple sponsees. I had a gal that I picked up early on during that that knew she needed a sponsor. She called me every single morning at 6 o'clock. She didn't care whether I was thin or I was fat, whether I was eating or wasn't eating. Of course, I, over the phone, I could tell her I was, wasn't eating, but it didn't make her any difference. She knew that she needed me. And she never let me leave Overeaters Anonymous. Another sponsee I picked up in 1986, same thing. He never left me. And even when I wasn't going to meetings for periods of time, those people were still my lifeline. And I owe my life to them. I'm very clear about that. Uh, the weight came back on, almost all of it. These pants you see were from, my, uh, uh, from that relapse that ended in 1997, about this time, around the 1st of February 1997. Very similar experience to that first surrender, except by now I had lost some of the ego. I was a little bit humbler. And I knew, and I said to myself, it's a moment of clarity, a moment of insight. If you don't knock this shit off, you're going to die. I knew that was true. I was going to die if I didn't quit eating like that. Help me God. I have a very strange idea of God. I would much rather argue and think about God than depend on God, because um, <laughs> I still can't define it. And the more I've been around the program, the more I find I don't have to depend on God. I don't have to even believe. I just need to know I'm not. But at any rate, I said, God, please help me. And I have been absent ever since. Perfectly? Hell no. It's not been perfect. Uh, matter of fact, I think one of my definitions of God, as we hear in the rooms, is the gift of desperation. I am desperate not to lose what I was given 22 years ago. And I try each morning to remember what it was like, because I have this built-in forgetter. I remember what it did for me. I forget what it did to me. I need you guys to remember what it did to me. I need to review what it was like in my own mind before I found this program and what this relapse was like when I thought I was never going to get absent again. Uh, it's a program that keeps me uh, every morning, uh, not literally on my knees usually. It's a little hard for me to get up and down these days. Uh, but, but I do pray every day. Uh, sometimes I don't know what, but I do pray. I have several prayers that I go through. I do find some time in meditation every day because the 11th step is in this thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. <coughs> I do that 
and then I go ahead about my day and learning more and more to say the serenity prayer throughout the day and say thy will not mine be done and actually mean it to let go rather than run the show. Because I'm still very, very smart. I'd much rather figure things out and, and think things out uh, than ask uh, God for help or ask another human being or let somebody else go along. But I have people I call every day. And I have several people that call me every day. What a gift. I never had that before, as I said. I grew up with absolutely having no close friends. I have several friends, uh, all in 12-step program, who know everything about me. And I can tell them anything, and they can tell me anything. And we don't judge one another. I will say for the newcomers, I hope I can say some things that are useful. I hope you've heard some things that are useful, but maybe the most important word is the first word of the first step. We. We admitted we were powerless. We're all in the same boat here. We're all, and we're all still powerless over food. At least I think we are. And maybe you have different versions of that. But I'm powerless over food. Uh, and I cannot manage my own life. But with your help, with the help of the fellowship, with the help of prayer and meditation, and meetings, etc., etc., um, I can do, uh, or we can do, what I could never do alone. Because I've been doing this thing now for a while, as I say, not always perfectly. Uh, I will end with this definition of abstinence. Uh, we have our definition of, of abstinence in a way uh, uh, abstaining from compulsive overeating and other compulsive uh, eating behaviors um, and, and on for that. But I don't abstain perfectly. I still have eating behaviors that I'm still working on. I can still go off the rails a little bit with my food. With eating. I can sometimes eat too much. But I keep coming back and I keep praying, and I keep talking about it. If it starts getting a little wonky, I've got to talk about it. I don't usually write down my food or call in my food anymore, but if it starts getting a little wonky, you damn well bet you I go, because I've got to, I've got to get it back on track. I heard a speaker at a meeting say a few years ago, she was talking about abstinence, and she was at a keynote speaker at a convention up in the Northwest, and, and she kind of played us along for a couple of days with, uh, uh, with defining abstinence. And the last day she says, I'm going to tell you what my abstinence is. I abstain from starting over. I abstain from negativity. I abstain from perfectionism. And I abstain from ever leaving OA. I think that's a damn good definition of abstinence. Not particularly relating to food exactly, but a very good of what my program needs to consist of. I don't start over again if I make a mistake. I just talk about it and clean it up. I try to abstain from negativity. You don't do a very good job of that. I'm a warrior and I'm a negative person sometimes. Uh, I am a perfectionist to the hilt, and I've had to learn to live with it and to let go of it. And, God, I hope I never leave this program, because if I knew, if I did, would die. I heard a guy at an AA meeting say the other day, said he used to say, I hope I don't take another drink because if I do, I'll die. And he said, one of the old timers in the room says, if you're lucky. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. This is a slow killer. Generally, we don't die. We, we just carry our weight around and lug our weight both internally and up here around with us. 
so uh, basically, uh, uh, we we suffer a hell of a lot with this disease. It's a terrible disease. One more thing, then I will stop. Uh, I think uh, I'm in several other programs uh, with AA and Al-Anon now. I've been in others in the past, but those are the other two I work. Uh, but I do think food, what my original sponsor said, food's a bitch. We eat every day. I can abstain from my major bit trigger foods, but I can still be hungry when I end a meal. And it's the grace of the program and the fact I have a food plan that tells me enough is enough, because my head still doesn't know what enough is enough is. So uh, I hope I've said something, especially for the newcomer, that uh, will make you want to keep coming back. Uh, there, there, there is hope. Not only can we have a, a body that, uh, uh, that supports us, but uh, the fat between our head clears up a lot. And I didn't know that I had that much between my head, but I did, and I'm still, still on that one. I don't diet it anymore. I just keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.